This is the Bird Hugger Podcast with Katherine Greenleaf, the podcast for people who love birds. Welcome to the Bird Hugger Podcast. I'm Katherine Greenleaf, and I'm so glad to be with you. I'm on board for a full 30 minutes of talking all things birds and restoring native habitat. What happens when a burnt-out college professor living in New England decides to become a wildlife rescuer and rehabilitator? Find out on Bird Hugger, the podcast for people who love birds. Join host Katherine Greenleaf, who has been rehabilitating injured wildlife for 20 years, and hear how you can turn your backyard into a native oasis for birds. Hello, everybody. And welcome to our continuing series on the birds of Florida. Nothing beats the winter blues like talking about the 80-degree weather and bright sunshine of Florida. Today, we'll be speaking with an expert on the Florida scrub jay. We'll be right back in just a moment. If you are enjoying this show and like what we do, please help us out by subscribing or following us on your favorite app to access our free show. That way you'll get notified of what's coming, you'll never miss a show, and it will help us in the ratings. And now I'd like to introduce Jackie Sulik, the coordinator of the J-Watch program for Audubon, Florida. She will be talking to us today about the challenges facing the scrub jay, the only bird endemic to Florida, and what is being done to help it. Jackie, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for inviting me. Any opportunity to talk about the Florida scrub jay makes me very happy. Well, that's wonderful. We're so happy to have you here. So could you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and the job that you do? Sure. So I have been with Audubon Florida, which is a local office of National Audubon for almost 18 years now. And when I came on board, I was hired to work with our 45 chapters around the state. That's in Florida alone. And about 10, 11 years ago, Audubon took on a project called JWatch. And JWatch is a community science program that works on the Florida scrub jay. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that, I think, as we go along. So I not only am the go-to person for our chapters, but I'm also the coordinator and I work with the director of bird conservation for Audubon, Florida. Could you tell us a little bit more about the overall work that the Audubon Society does in your region? Sure. So Audubon actually started in Florida in the late 1800s. It was all the fashion for women to wear feathers and stuffed birds on their hats and their clothing. And the birds in the Everglades were actually decimated. I think they say 90% of the birds were wiped out. And there were a few individuals that got together and said, you know, we need to change this. And so was born the National Association of Audubons. And they passed legislation, and have continued today. We're close to 120 years old, working in Florida, still on Everglades, Everglades restoration, but we work on conservation issues around the state that focus primarily on birds and the places they need to survive. So it's birds and habitat. Can you talk about the Florida scrub jay now, its biology and behavior, and why this bird is so important? Sure. 
So the Florida scrub jay is Florida's only endemic bird. And that means that it lives in Florida and nowhere else. And in the past 50 years, we have lost 90% of the Florida scrub jay. Why? Because the Florida scrub jay depends on a very, very specific type of habitat. It has evolved to live in the scrub. And the Florida scrub is very low trees, dense, very dry. And there are quite a number of species that actually depend on that type of environment for survival. The Florida scrub jay is what they call an indicator or an umbrella species for healthy scrub habitat. So what's so unique about that scrub habitat is that it is fire dependent, which means that it, if it does not burn every, I think the cycle is five to 20 years, depending on where it is, it will grow up tall and many of the species that depend on that low scrub will not survive primarily the Florida scrub jay. One of the things that's very curious about the Florida scrub jay is that it pretty much spends its life where it was hatched. So it does not really have the ability to travel great distances. So it's really important to keep that habitat where it lives low and safe and maintained. The other thing that's interesting about the Florida scrub jay is it is a cooperative breeder. Life in the scrub is very, very challenging. And as a cooperative breeder, breeding pair of adults will often keep some of the kids around to help. So the families can grow as large as up to eight birds that work cooperatively to help survive. What do they need to do? Well, they need to feed the young, but they also need to keep an eye out for predators, and other families that might be invading their territory. As I mentioned, they do. They're very, very loyal to the area where they hatched. So it's a, a fascinating bird in terms of its behavior. It's also extremely charismatic. It's a bird that is curious and oftentimes will come out and greet you on a hiking trail. Even sometimes, unfortunately, will come and sit on your head or your day pack and ask you for a handout. So we try to discourage people from feeding them, but unfortunately, people do do that. So the Florida scrub jay is just really, really important and lives in a habitat that is very threatened itself. Now, are they related to the blue jay in any way? They are in the, the same family. And in fact, there are a number of jays. There is the California scrub jay and some subspecies there. But our Florida scrub jay is genetically a different species. But they're in the corvid family. Yes, they are. They're acorn eaters, just like the blue jays. I was just wondering how they compare to blue jay biology and behavior. I know blue jays are you know, all corvids are extremely intelligent. Does the scrub jay have high intelligence too? Well, we like to think so. <laughs> yes, they're very sharp. And again, the behavior is one of the things that's very unique. The fact that they live in large families or can live in large families, that they protect their territories and that they live in such a, a unique habitat People think that, you know, birds can move. Well, the Florida scrub jay is adapted to live in the scrub and will not survive once the scrub grows up. So 
I was just going to ask you about what are some of the challenges the Florida scrub jay is facing right now. So I imagine that's a big one. Sure. So all birds are facing challenges right now. I don't know if you've heard recently, we've lost 3 billion birds in the last 50 years. And it's primarily because of human activity. We have developed most of the scrub in Florida. In fact, only 5% of the scrub remains in Florida. So right there, you have an endangered habitat. And it is developed because it's high and dry. It's a great place to build houses. It's a great place for citrus and agriculture. And then fragmentation. Anytime you start getting these little pockets of scrub, you have backyards with cats and you have raccoons, that type of thing. And then also the elimination of fire. When you think about even if you had a nice preserve, if you have houses all the way around the preserve, it's very, very difficult to burn. So some of the scrub habitat, which does depend on fire to keep it low and to generate the growth and the habit, that needs to be burned. And if you can't burn it, then you're going to lose that habitat. It's going to progress to something else. So are there prescribed burns being held in the areas where the Florida scrub jay still remains? That's a great question. Where possible, there are prescribed burns. Some of the very large areas, for example, Ocala National Forest, which is in the central part of the state, has probably the largest population of Florida scrub jays, over a thousand families. And that is a large enough area so that yes, indeed, they can burn. And other areas that have large landscapes, they can burn as well. And the interesting thing is that they need to burn in a mosaic. So you burn one patch one year, and it will take a couple of years for that to generate back to the point where it's going to actually produce those acorns that the scrub jays need. So you can burn a particular part of it, and then the next year you burn another part, the next year you burn another part, but obviously you have to have quite a bit of area to be able to do that effectively. That's kind of called, you know, burning according to a mosaic. But there are other areas have a lot of pockets down in southwest Florida that are pretty small and you have small surviving populations of scrub jays, but they're surrounded by houses. So there's really no opportunity to burn. Right, right. So now I wanted to ask you about the actual numbers of birds remaining. You'd mentioned Ocala National Forest has roughly a thousand families. What number does that translate into? The population of Florida scrub jays was once estimated at 40,000 birds. And today the estimate is about 8,000 birds. Wow. So significant decline. Yes. They really have not done a comprehensive survey in quite a few years. We do have numbers from public lands, but not so much private properties. So there is a lot of conversation about doing a statewide survey this year, which would be 30 years after the last one, because there's a lot of things happening right now. We are managing to the best of our ability, but there's a lot of research being done around genetics and inbreeding and whether some of these populations need some help genetically. So a lot of interesting research going on. 
Right. So tell us about your efforts to help the Florida scrub jay. So Audubon, Florida, 11 years ago, inherited a program called Jaywatch. And Jaywatch is a community science program that really helps these agencies figure out how many birds there are on the landscape and how the birds are doing. So it does a variety of things. It tells the land managers if they're doing a good job because if the birds are thriving, clearly they're doing a good job of burning or roller chopping or whatever it is that they need to do on their particular property. It also tells us just how the birds are doing statewide based on development, that type of thing. Now, Jaywatch is very specific. It's a protocol that was designed to be that community scientists could actually do without having a, a strong science background, but would provide really good value for the time spent in the field so that the scientists could really use that information. So what we do is in the spring, we train people on the ecology of the Florida scrub jay and this very specific protocol. Because of COVID, we went online with a lot of our education, but we still do some in-person trainings. So people get out in the field and observe the birds, learn how to read the bands if they have bands, and really translate that into information that can go then to the science team to figure out how they're doing. So we train people in the spring, and then between June 15th and July 15th, our teams go out in the field with the land managers to pre-selected survey points. They go to the same points every year, and their protocol helps them determine whether the family is there, whether the family has been successful breeding, or if the family has left, or if there's a new relationship happening in a family. So the reason that we do it, oh my, in the hottest time of the year in the Florida scrub is because once the birds have fledged, they are only in this, what we call their brown head plumage or their immature plumage for just a couple of months. So by the time, by the end of June, they're already starting to see a little bit of change in the color of the juveniles. And what we're looking for is we're looking for how many juveniles each family produces so it's critical that we get them before they actually get their adult feathers, which usually happens mid to end of July. So that's why that window is really critical. So we go out, we survey, we have our maps, we then send that information to our science team, who then evaluates how the birds are doing, and we write a report in the fall. So. And Jaywatch is just a fabulous program for young people and older people. We do oftentimes have vehicles, so people don't have to spend a lot of time walking around in the scrub, but it gives people an opportunity to get out and see a really, really special environment, as well as these extremely charismatic birds. And our Jaywatch volunteers are extremely passionate <laughs> about what they do. So it's a great program. That sounds wonderful. Sounds like you're doing some great work. So now just getting back to some of the impacts on the scrub jay, I understand that citrus agriculture has had an impact on them, that orange trees. Well, anybody who has been to Central Florida will see a lot of citrus 
farming. And unfortunately, we currently have um, disease called citrus greening. So a lot of these citrus groves have been abandoned. But unfortunately, in their place, with all the population growth going on here, oftentimes that citrus turns into development and houses. So I can't just blame it on citrus. Certainly, it's our impact. It's our love of Florida and wanting to live here. It's tough. They have to, you know, compete with all the folks that are coming to Florida. So it's more habitat encroachment. It is loss of habitat. That's the number right. one issue. Loss of habitat, either because of development or a lack of being able to manage the scrub through that fire, through the controlled burns. Tell me now, what does the scrub jay like to eat? Ooh. I've heard said that the scrub jay will eat anything that is smaller than itself. (laughs) (laughs) They will eat lizards and bugs and all kinds of things that live in the scrub. Insects primarily during the time that they're feeding their young is incredibly important for them to have that protein like it is for our little ones. And then in the fall or late in the summer, when the acorns are ripe, they will start harvesting the acorns and the acorns will hold them over for the winter. And this is a fascinating story because they will hash and that's just bury in the sand up to eight, nine thousand acorns. And they say that they actually remember, will recall where 75 percent of them are. And if you watch a Florida scrub jay actually bearing the acorns, it's funny because they'll push it down into the sand and then maybe pick up a pine needle or a twig and place it over top of where they just buried it. And it's almost like they're putting a little flag or a little marker there. So they'll remember where it is when they come back and they need them in the during the winter. That is amazing. They are smart, aren't they? They are incredible. And I mean, there are stories about how one will bury them and somebody else will be watching him and he'll go back later and move it because he's afraid that somebody else is going to get his acorns. (laughs) It's really quite amusing to watch them. So this is scrub oak we're talking about that they get the acorns from? Yes. And there are a couple of different species of oaks. One has a little bit more tannin than the other. And I've also heard that They will bury the ones that have more tannin in kind of wet areas, and that will help the tannin leave the acorn. And then they will go ahead and and move it to a drier area so that it is preserved for as long as they need it to be preserved for. So in addition to just finding them, it's like they're managing these their food source in in the field. So pretty amazing. That is amazing. So tell me, what do you see for the future of the Florida scrub jay? That's a really important question. And we just had our Watch appreciation event. Dr. Reed Bowman has been studying the Florida scrub jay for over 30 years at the Archibald Biological Station in Central Florida. And his question or his talk was about, can we really manage the future of the Florida scrub jay? And the conclusion that he came to is, that yes, we can, but we're always going to have to manage it. With the population and the land uses in Florida, we are not going to be able to just leave these habitats on our own. 
because we have to manage with fire, we have to manage these landscapes. And with many of these populations being pretty isolated from one another, if they're not large enough, we really are looking at genetic challenges in breeding. That's going to be a long-term challenge. They are doing some preliminary research on what they call translocating birds that are genetically compatible, but different enough so that they will boost a population. That research is in its infancy, but that is also something that's becoming more and more of a concern and more thought is being put into what we can do to solve that genetic issue. Another piece is connecting landscapes. Since the birds will not fly far, even if they fly and they move, connecting one scrub patch to the next to the next is going to facilitate that movement so that the birds have the ability to not only establish new territory when their family has outgrown its space, but also to exchange the genetic component. So we're going to need to manage it if we want the scrub jay to survive. But I do believe that there are enough birds at this point if we continue to do the right thing and put the resources towards management and research. There's hope. Well, that is great to hear. So as we wrap up here, can you tell me what could your average citizen in Florida do to help the Florida scrub jay? So if you live in Florida, you can certainly tune in to the Audubon Watch website page and get more information. There are links to our Scrub Jay Ecology, to our annual reports. You can learn more about the challenges of the Scrub Jay in Florida, and you could even consider signing up for one of our surveys. And I would certainly encourage people to do that. So if you just Google Audubon Watch, that will take you right to the page. And there's a lot of information there. If you tend to be more of a watch the policies type thing, land management and land acquisition in Florida is very important. Florida Forever is a program that does land acquisition. And we're always challenged to get that funded from one year to the next. So that's another thing that you can do. Be ambassador for the Florida Scrub Jay. If you learn more about it, you can share that information with friends. And oftentimes people do things that they don't realize are a problem for the birds. So knowing more about them, you can help in the proper treatment of the birds. And when I say treatment, one of the big, big problems in Florida is that people love to feed peanuts to the Florida Scrub Jay. And it's one of the worst things you can do. And sure, it's fun. The birds respond. They're charismatic. They're curious. And they do like peanuts. But aside from being actually against the law, because this is a, a federally threatened species, it makes the birds very dependent on people coming close to people and traffic and backyard bird feeders where there are cats and other problems. It also is a problem for feeding the young. I mentioned that they need to feed their young protein. Well, 
Peanuts just don't do it. If the baby birds are supposed to be eating insects for their development of their bodies and their brains, and you fill them up on peanuts, they're not going to survive. So it's fun for people and they want to get that picture. But I'll tell you, if you really care about the Florida scrub jay, you will not feed them because it's really not, not a good thing. And it's against the law. So I think that's one of the stories that needs to be told. And, and anybody who sees somebody feeding a Florida scrub jay, if they're out and about, you know, gently remind them. We certainly don't want to be confronting people in a negative way, but explaining why it's not a good idea is, uh, I think, really going to be helpful in the long run. Right. Well, Jackie, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us today. I certainly learned a lot. Well, great. Well, I had some fun and I hope that everybody will make a point of visiting a JWatch site, looking at some beautiful pictures. We do have a Facebook page and we have some fabulous, fabulous photographers. So learn more about the Florida Scrub Jay because to know them is to love them. I'd like to thank Jackie Sulek for joining us today. You can find out more about the wonderful work Audubon Florida is doing to help the scrub jay by going to fl.audubon.org. Join Americans everywhere in the one-third for the birds movement. Dedicate the back third of your yard to birds and other wildlife. Make this area a quiet zone with no leaf blowers or lawnmowers. Plant native trees and shrubs so birds have plenty of insects to eat. Create a safe haven for birds to nest and raise their young. You will be rewarded with many hours of bird watching fun. For more information on One Third for the Birds, go to the Bird Hugger page on Facebook. And that's it for today's episode, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Have a great week and enjoy the birds. Bye for now. Bye for now.